When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Nate Hansen, Max Barr on the ones and twos, doing this thing via Zoom. Guys, it's good to see your faces again as, as we run this thing back. And somewhat of a predictable week in terms of results for the Trail Blazers. I think we all predicted the way those games would play out. But in terms of how they happened, I don't think anyone could have predicted, especially the the way that Bulls game finished and just the magic that Damian Lillard once again brings to the table as one of the best players in the NBA and drilling back-to-back three-pointers, the, the series of events that took place in that game just improbable over the final 11 or 12 seconds of that game as the Blazers secure the victory. And then we take this ride on the Rip City roller coaster. They go into Milwaukee. They get smashed like we all thought they would. And it was a beautiful combination of one of the worst defenses in the league against one of the best offenses in the league. And what you get is basically a, you know, 30-point beatdown or so. And after the game, uh, you know, the uh, fire Terry Stotts crowd is as loud as it's ever been on social media. So take that for what it's worth. And then surprisingly, the Blazers bounce back with a win over Washington. I say that with sarcasm because I think we all thought they would win. The, The Blazers came out with fire. Damian Lillard has another great game. Role players all step up. So here we are after a, a two and two week, so to speak. And I, I think it's only appropriate, as you guys mentioned before the podcast even started, was we need to show some love to Damian Lillard and, and just the, the epic play and his ability to carry a team and to identify the moment and be able to deliver in crunch time situations. And that was just such a spectacular finish for Damian Lillard uh, to beat the Bulls, the 37-foot three-pointer. Um, and then Gary Trent Jr. getting the uh, jump ball action, winning the tip, tapping it to Dame, uh, off balance, step back, over marketing, and the rest is history for the Trail Blazers. So I want to bring you guys in. Jared, I want to start with you and, and just the, the love and, and uh, appreciation for what is Damian Lillard. And what more could you want as a Blazers fan and a superstar than Damian Lillard? He just creates these moments where you remember those moments, you know, you remember where you were. It's, it's, it's that kind of moment. Uh, where were you, you know, when he hit the, the, the bad shot, where were you when he beat the bull, uh, the bulls, you know, you'll remember that game. You'll remember that moment to, to score six points in nine seconds. Um, the way that game just went, went down the way you were talking about with the jump ball with Gary Trent jr. Beating a two-time dunk champion to, to win that jump ball. And then, I mean, the, the ball was pinging around, you know, like a pinball machine and Damian Lillard somehow comes up with it and then hits an off balance fadeaway, you know, shot with, and Markinen was playing good defense too. You know, he had good defense on that shot. It was, it's just nothing surprises you with Dame anymore. He's incredible. And, you know, aside from that game, he's just been great. And the Blazers have needed every single ounce of production that he's given them. I mean, I just, looked back to the past eight games, you know, 32 points, eight assists, four and a half rebounds, shooting 47% from the field, 38% from three. I mean, these aren't like bubble Dame moments like that we saw last season. Um, even that's that crazy hot stretch he had uh, in the second half last season too, but he's just consistently outstanding. And the Blazers right now being so decimated by injuries and, everything going wrong on in on that front that you can possibly imagine they need 
all of it, all of it just to stay afloat. And, and Dame's giving him that. Jared, Jared said it's one of those moments where you'll remember where and when you were when you watched it. Well, for me, guys, uh, <laughs> I watched it about six hours after it happened and had no idea that it had happened. I oh, that's awesome. And everything. Uh, I was visiting my mom, so I didn't watch the game, and it was probably close to midnight when I got to the end. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I just <laughs> watched this entire game on delay, and they're going to blow this to the Bulls. And then he hits the shot, and I, like, let out a yell. And I was, like, afraid I woke her up type thing. <laughs> But I experienced it. And then I got on social media because I had been off the entire time with the intention of not wanting to spoil what the result was and saw everything. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm living this just six hours later now. Uh, so it was pretty cool. But Dame has been so good that when we talked about what should we talk about this week on the podcast, there was a suggestion. But we we're like, we don't have a question to ask about Damian Lillard. Like he's he's reached that level. Of greatness where you know the only time we're going to ask a question about him is what's wrong with Dame you know that's the only questions we're ever probably going to ask about Dame on this podcast that's how good he's been and the Blazers have absolutely needed there in the stretch remember he didn't start off the season that great uh the first couple weeks of the season but he's just been absolutely phenomenal with CJ and Nurk out and I think all of us expected he would be this good which is just again another testament into into what type of player he is at this point in his career. Such superstar status. I always think about the amount of love and hype he would really have if he were playing in another market, especially this tear he's on. It's a shame that the Blazers are going through all of the turmoil that they are right now um, because, as we all know, wins plays into it in terms of the, the level of appreciation that you get on a national level. Um, but it's just been super remarkable. And the dude has, has literally uh, carried this team for a long stretch. And um, one thing that I had feared that, that we mentioned uh, as you know the injuries were starting to pile up, I believe it was after we found out that the CJ injury was going to be a lot more serious was the wear and tear that, that comes along with being that superstar and carrying a team for a long period of time. And uh, Damian Lillard talking about that after the Wizards game and, you know, him mentioning just how banged up he really is and, you know, how he questioned whether or not he should have played in that game or should be playing um, as he deals with that. He, he said he's got this uh, abdomen issue that, that comes up every now and then since basically his fifth season um, where it, it kind of just is that I need to get going injury that plays itself out and he's starting to see it creep back in. Normally it's at the beginning of the year as you get into game shape, but he's seeing it happen now. And you can only point to just the amount of work that is going into these games, the, the amount of pressure that's on him to deliver night in and night out just to have a chance to win these games and guys I was looking at at, at the uh, the injury list which is just wild uh, that the Portland Trailblazers put out before every game and, and pretty much every day and man like it just blew my mind so you know Dame is dealing with the uh, ab I, they have it listed as an abdominal strain Derek Jones Jr. left foot sprain Nasir Little left knee sprain CJ McCollum left midfoot fracture, Yusuf Nurkic, right wrist fracture, Zach Collins, left ankle stress fracture. Those players are all out for this evening's game at Philadelphia, which is just crazy. Plus, um, you know, uh, we've also heard Anthony Simons being on a, a minute's restriction. Um, and uh, who, who, who else? Robert Covington, you know, had the concussion. So he had missed games. And this is all like happening in a short window of time. So guys, with all of that being said, we've, we've talked about how great Dame has been. So let's dive into where we're at right now with this team. There's three of us. So we've got three questions and three answers. So let's start with question number one. And that's, we've seen several Blazers role players step up and have big games during the time that TJ and Nurk have been out. Who do the Blazers most need to continue to play at a high level 
once CJ and Nurk are back. Who wants to tackle that one first? I'll, I'll jump in on this. So, I mean, our answers could vary depending on your definition of a, of a role player, I guess, for the Blazers. To me, if your name isn't Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, or Yusuf Nurkic, you are a role player on this Blazers team. And so with that kind of, with that perspective, there, off the top of my head, there are two guys that came to mind. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Robert Covington were the two that came to mind. And then once I thought about it a little more, to me it was an easy pick, and it's Robert Covington. He's the one who needs to be at a high level and can have the biggest impact on this team moving forward once everyone is back. I mean, with everyone out, we've seen what type of impact he can have when he's on. He had his best game of the season against the Wizards on, on what was that, Tuesday night. And we saw the impact right away, making threes, contributing the offense, creating deflections, getting steals on the defensive end. You know, that's the type of player that Blazers fans thought we were going to get going into the season. And up until that Wizards game, the guy, the Robert Covington Portland traded for had not been the Robert Covington that they were getting Uh, just by traditional stats. It's mainly been on the offensive end on the floor by traditional stats in his career. He's averaged 13 points a game, 40% shooting from the field and 35% shooting from three this year seven points a game, 33% shooting from the field, and 30% from three. All of those numbers are down. And just to put into perspective what type of guy Robert Covington has been before he came to Portland, ESPN real plus minus, out of 520 players last year, Robert Covington ranked 41st in the NBA. CJ McCollum ranked 39th. So that's how good Robert Covington has been over his career. The year before that, he was 60th out of 513 players. This year, he's 287th out of 454 players. So he hasn't been remotely close to the same player that the Blazers traded for. And why is that? It's actually not defensively, which is where the Blazers struggle as a team. But for Robert Covington this year, he ranks 28th in the NBA and defensive real plus minus it's on the offensive end. He ranks 420th out of 454 players in offensive real plus minus the guys he's around are Gary Clark, RJ Hampton, Isaac Okoro, Quinn Cook, and Terrence Ferguson. Robert Covington has no business being in that company. When you talk about what type of offensive player he can be. So to me, he's the guy that if he can get right, if this Wizards game can be a path for him moving forward, especially offensively and the type of player he can contribute and be for the Blazers this year, that's the difference maker they traded for. That's the type of player they need once everyone's healthy if they're going to elevate and make a run to the Western Conference Finals this year. And so maybe that was the start of something here for Robert Covington. But to me, he's the easy choice, hands down, as the guy who's got to be playing at a high level like we saw against the Wizards. Yeah, I don't, I guess I, I, I don't consider Robert Covington a role player just because, I mean, by his stats and, and the way he's performed this season, he looks like one. But the impact he's had on teams that he's been on in the past, I wanted to put him in, in the role player bucket. But I think your point is right on, Nate. I think that for the Blazers to achieve what they want to achieve, they need the Robert Covington that n- maybe not even you know, what he was against the Wizards because he was really good against the Wizards, but at least the Robert Covington that that they thought they were trading for. I mean, they gave up two first-round picks for him. And he's been, in my opinion, he's been as advertised on defense. He's playing great defense this season. But that's a long, long shooting slump for a player. I mean, we're 20 games into the season, and he's basically been, I mean, looking here, he's had like two two good games before the, the Wizards game on offense. I mean, he's basically been Derek Jones Jr. on offense, essentially. Yeah, and that's not what Robert Covington is. And so if he can put up the kind of career production that that we've seen from him over the past few seasons, um, that makes a huge difference for the Blazers. But I kind of consider him, and we talked about this when the Blazers acquired him, as this is kind of like he's part of like a big four for the Blazers, for you know, lack of a better cliche. And... So that's the way I view him, even with as bad as he's been on offense so far this season. Um, I considered Gary Trent Jr. too, because he's been fantastic. I mean, you look at 
his production over the past six games, 18 points and shooting 44% from the field and 48% from three. But even though we talked earlier about how Gary Trent Jr. has been inconsistent or had been inconsistent this season was kind of game on, game off, he looks like he's back on track now. And you kind of expect, I expect Gary Trent Jr. to be good going forward, even when the other players come back to be a, a big contributor off the bench. Um, same with Ennis Cantor. You know Ennis Cantor. He's the only real backup center they have when Nurkic comes back. I expect him to contribute and, and be the player that he is, and he's been consistent all season. So I was trying to think of what the Blazers need. I mean, you're going to get – when everyone's healthy, you're going to have Dame playing the majority of the minutes at point guard, and CJ's going to back him up at point guard. CJ's going to play most of the minutes at shooting guard, and you've got Gary Trent Jr. backing him up at two. Then you've got Robert Covington and – He's going to play a lot of minutes at power forward and Carmelo Anthony's going to play a lot, you know, the, the majority of the backup minutes there you got Cantor backing up Nurk. And so then I looked at who is the backup that needs to step up in those minutes when Derek Jones Jr. is not on the court because he's the starting three. And I think it's Rodney Hood. And we saw Rodney Hood come out and he's had two good games, basically two really good games since the injuries happened. You know, first game that he started against the Spurs, he had 21 points shot the ball well. And then against the Wizards, he was really good too. You know, 15 points, shot the ball well. And he hasn't been bad in the other games. He just hasn't had as much production. But I think what you need to see from Rodney Hood, if this team is going to be what we think they're going to be, if you're going to have an eight or nine man rotation, he needs to be part of that and he needs to be productive. And so you need to see, you don't need 21 points, 15 points from him, but you need to see a guy who can go out there, put up double, double digits off the bench, shoot a good percentage and play as good of defense as Rodney Hood can play. And so for me, looking at when this team is healthy and when everyone's back, the player I would most like to see step up and put together some more of these good games that you've seen over the past, you know, a couple of weeks is Rodney Hood. And, and he has a chance to do that because, of course, he's co- he was coming off the injury uh, at the yep. beginning of the season and was on a minutes restriction. He was even on a minutes restriction going into the Wizards game, and then they played him 35 minutes basically <laughs> out of necessity. And that's the one, that's what's kind of spawned this question when we thought it up is so many of these guys have had one game during these yeah. eight games without Nurk and the seven games without CJ. You know, Anthony Simons had the two game stretch against the Knicks and Thunder. Derek Jones Jr. had the game against the Knicks, Covington and Hood, as we talked about the Wizards. Nasir Little had it against the Bucks. Gary Trent Jr. and Ennis Kanter have been consistent. But the, all these other guys have kind of had these one games and we know at least one of them is going to have to play to that level consistently if the Blazers ultimately want to get there. Orlando, are you breaking a tie or are you going elsewhere, man? Uh, I do love the... Uh, I think I know where Orlando's going. I, I think I do too, <laughs> but, but I want to hear it. I will say I do love the the Robert Covington um, answer because it's that next man up, you know, you need your best players to play well. Yeah. And um, I think about... You know, obviously, Gary Trent Jr. has has been good and is going to continue to be good. Um, it's been my guy, my, my pick the, the past couple of weeks. I, I really like where his game is going. And like Jared mentioned, shout out to Ennis Cantor, who even Terry Stotts has said he's been the most consistent player on the team. I mean, that, that's a huge compliment um, for, for Ennis. And, and he really has, especially offensively. Like, I mean, the guy is just rebounding at a freakish level and um, – he scores, he gets buckets. So um, I love seeing that from them. They've got to continue to be consistent. Um, but as I'm thinking about dudes that are going to be playing, that are, that are Damian Lillard, when he is not on the floor, this team has been so bad. Like, like they, they, they have to be able to weather the storm when Damian Lillard is off the court for 10 minutes <laughs> or whatever it is that, they, that Dave decides he needs a, a break. And so I really think that dude, as you guys have predicted, I think that dude is Carmelo Anthony. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I thought you were going with Gary Trent Jr., man. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I like where Gary's going. And, I, like, I think he's going to continue to go that way. But I think man. right now it's Carmelo. Um, we, we know that he's going to get playing time. Like, this idea that he's not going to play, even though Nasir Little is coming off this – really spectacular performance in that blowout loss to the Bucs. Melo is your guy, and he's going to play minutes, and it's been established that whether he's off or on, he's going to be out there. And 
he's been in quite the shooting slump um, over the past, what, well, a couple he, weeks at least? Pretty much the entirety of that Nurk and CJ have been hurt. Melo's yeah. been in the shooting slump. And they desperately need him to play play well offensively. Like, part of me kn- knows and has accepted how terrible this team is defensively. I know we're going to get into the defensive side of things. So I automatically say, okay, if the off- if the defense is going to be that trash, the offense has to be elite. And Carmelo Anthony has to be able to hit shots. I would prefer that it were three-pointers because there were lots of ball movements and he's catching it and letting it fly and, uh, you know, not backing his guy down and guys, you know, standing around watching, but he's got to be able to hit shots. And just looking at the past few games, um, it's, been, it's been pretty bad outside of, out of Washington. I mean, he shot 14% against the Bucks, 25% against the Bulls. I mean, I mean he, he, he wasn't even in at the end of the game in that Bulls game. Uh, 20, 20% against the Rockets. So I just think offensively, they've got to get more from him. And maybe the game that he had against Washington is a sign that he's turned a corner on the shooting slump uh, because that's like the one thing he does is get buckets and, and shoot the ball. And so if he is shooting, he's got to make shots, man. I'd love that you went with Mello because he's like the one guy during this stretch that CJ and Nurk have been out that like hasn't stepped up. Uh, during this time period, like not even for a game. You can argue Washington, he stepped up, but I mean, he was still one of five uh, from three against the Wizards. You know, he was making the two pointers, but still not knocking down the three pointers. And he was so bad in the Rockets game that Terry Stotts followed that up against the Bulls and only played Mello like 17 minutes. Like he was at like Harry Giles level of minutes during that Bulls game. That's how bad Mello's been for a stretch now. And then, of course, just like everyone else against the Wizards, he was forced to play them uh, because of the fact that they need bodies out there and they need guys. But you are right. If Melo's going to get minutes, like the 17 minutes we saw against the Bulls, that's about as low as Terry Stotts is probably going to go with him on the season. Uh, We'll see once everyone returns what that looks like. But he's going to get minutes. And when he's out there, he needs to be productive. And we know he's not a productive defensive player. So he's got to be productive on the offensive end. And he has shot 19% from three over the last eight games. Yeah. Like that, that can't happen when that's the, when that's what you contribute. And this is a team that lives and dies by the three. Yeah. So so help, help them from three. And overall, they've been a good three point shooting team uh, this season. And Mello was part of that for the first couple weeks of the season. I believe through the first two or three weeks, he was around 45, 46% from three but that that's dropped up that's dropped off but I like that you went the direction of the guy who hasn't stepped up at all yeah. over the last two weeks you went with that guy I like that a lot. I mean it's it's all hands on deck at this point like they they've really got to step up and you just see the production fall off so dramatically when Damian Lillard is out of the game that you need bucket getters and you need that trade-off like with Ennis Cantor you know what that trade-off is and you accept that and you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, at least I know what I'm getting on the other end. And right now, Carmelo Anthony, we don't know what he's going to give us on the other end. In fact, we actually do. And it's been not good. And it, it, he's just got to shoot the ball better, man. I agree with you. I think I'm, I think I'm with Stotts on this one though. I, you know, someone asked, hey, can you keep playing mellow if he keeps shooting this poorly or, and, and he did, he'd cut his minutes, you know, 17 minutes against the the bulls. And then, whether it was because of the blowout or just because he was ineffective, he only played 18 minutes against the Bucks. But I think that Carmelo Anthony is the kind of player you let him shoot out of a, a slump. You know, it's he's definitely in a shooting slump right now. He did play well against the Wizards. You know, he he shot 50% from the field, even though he didn't hit his threes. But I I, I don't know. I still trust that Carmelo Anthony's going to do what he needs to do out there. And he's the kind of player. He's always been the kind of player throughout his career where he can be streaky. You know, and he can go through these shooting slumps, and but you know what Mello is, and I I trust that he's going to give the production that the Blazers need off the bench from him, and kind of what you expect from him. I like that you brought that up because just his approach, even in the uh, post game press conference uh, with the Wizards, that was really his approach. Was like I've been playing this game for so long, like. I don't want to say he's embraced the, the slump, but he at least recognized that, you know, yeah, I haven't been shooting the ball as well as I have, but I'm taking the same shots that I always take. 
those shots that I that I practice time and time again, they're going to fall. And so I think that's what gives me a little bit more hope that he still can be relied upon uh, offensively for a team that, that needs to continue to stay afloat with so many injuries. So guys, uh, let's move into number two, which is defense. And that continues to be a struggle for the Blazers. Are the team's woes due to injuries and having bad defensive personnel right now? Or is there something larger at play? I think it's about personnel. I, I mean, I know that the Firestots crowd is extremely just eager to get that guy out the door right now. I'm just going to be completely frank here. I think that's crazy. I, I, I know that they all have their reasons and they, you know, they put those reasons out on Twitter, but can Stotts coach defense? I would say yes, when he has the right personnel. Four times with the Blazers, he coached them to a top 16 finish or better, twice to a top 10 finish. If you can't coach defense, you wouldn't be able to do that. I'd argue that when he has the right personnel, he's proven he can coach defense just fine. He's not an elite defensive coach. He's an elite offensive coach. But he's been good when he's had the right players. And he doesn't even need elite defensive players. Do you know how long it's been since the Blazers have had an all-defensive player? 17 seasons. They haven't had a player make first or second team all-defense since Theo Ratliff back in 2004. Well, oh, zero players during the Stotts era. Yes, Ooh. exactly. It usually takes about 60 votes, more or less, to get onto one of those teams. And over the past five seasons, the Blazers have received a grand total of 10 votes, including Damian Lillard getting one vote every year for the past four seasons for some reason. Some voter out there is putting him on the second team every year. I don't know who that voter is, but uh, good for you, I guess. So the Blazers haven't had an elite defensive player in a long, long time. And they did try to remedy that this season. Neil Shea went out and got Robert Covington. He gave up two second or two first round picks. Covington made the second team two seasons ago. He's a very good defensive player. But far too often during his time with the Blazers, Stotts has not had the right players to build an elite defense or even a good defense. And this season with the team that's currently running out there that night, are you surprised? Is anyone surprised that they're a bad defense? And if you are, what is wrong with you? Seriously. <laughs> Uh, I want to break it down so you can see just how bad it is. So I went into cleaning the glass. I don't know if you're familiar with that website. They have great NBA stats. And one of the good things they do with on-off stats is uh, Ben Falk takes all of, the non, all of the garbage time stats out of there. So you can really see what teams are producing, what players are producing. So just looking at the team that you have on the court right now, I went position by position and the players who play and what their defensive on-off numbers are and what the difference is when you're forced to play other players because of the injuries. So this isn't an injury thing, but let's just look at Lillard right now. When Damian Lillard sits, you're not getting CJ McCollum in their running point. You're getting Anthony Simons. And when Damian Lillard sits and Simons plays, the Blazers defense gives up 13 points more per 100 possessions. Damian Lillard isn't a good defender. He's a fine defender. He does what he needs to in the team concept. His numbers are okay. You know, they're not bad. But Simons, his defensive numbers are terrible. So go to shooting guard, CJ McCollum. He's actually, by the numbers, been an elite defensive player this season. And if you look back at the past five seasons, he's actually been pretty good just in his on-off numbers. I think that CJ McCollum, his biggest defensive weakness is he's not long enough and he's not tall enough. And when he's he's up against shooting guards who usually have a couple inches on him at least, you know, he's going to struggle in that aspect, but he puts in maximum effort on defense. And I think that he's usually in the right place at the right time. And so it shows in the numbers that he's been a good defensive player. Gary Trent Jr. has a reputation of being a good defensive player, but so far the stats don't back it up. I think he can become a good defensive player. I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't want to hear the slander right now, man. I really don't. Listen, I'm just going by the numbers. <laughs> I'm just going by where the analytics take me. This season, McCollum's injured. When he's out and Trent plays, the Blazers' defense is 15.7 points worse per 100 possessions. Small sample size, sure. The last season when McCollum sat and Trent played, the Blazers' defense was 5.4 points worse per 100 possessions. It's a step down defensively when you're playing Gary Trent Jr. over CJ McCollum. That seems crazy, but... That's what the numbers show. 
at small forward. Derek Jones Jr. hasn't been injured like McCollum and Nurkic have, but he certainly missed some games. And the step down from Derek Jones Jr., who has been an elite defensive player this season by the numbers and has been a good defensive player by the numbers over his career, is significant. When Jones Jr. is out and Rodney Hood plays, the Blazers' defense is 16.6 points worse per 100, 100 possessions. And when Jones Jr. is out and Nasir Little plays, the Blazers' defense is 43 points worse per 100 possessions. Ooh. Ooh. Robert Ooh. Covington, he's missed some time with concussion. When he's out and Carmelo Anthony plays, you know I love Carmelo Anthony, but he's a bad defensive player. The Blazers' defense is 11 points worse per 100 possessions. Yusuf Nurkic, he is the linchpin of the Blazers' defense. We know this. We know that when he's right, the Blazers' defense is good. But Ennis Cantor, as awesome as he is on offense and as great of a rebounder as he is, and as much as I like him as a person, I love Ennis Cantor, but he's not a good defensive player. And Harry Giles is even worse. When Nurk is out and Cantor plays, the Blazers' defense is 13 points worse per 100 possessions. When Nurk is out and Giles plays, it's 17 points worse per 100 possessions. Of course it's about personnel. This is not about coaching. Imagine if the Blazers were healthy. Imagine they were playing their starting lineup of Lillard, McCollum, Jones Jr., Covington, and Nurkic the majority of minutes each game. That starting lineup, even when we are talking about how bad the Blazers' defense was early in the season, even when they were all healthy, they gave up 107.5 points per 100 possessions. That would rank fourth in the NBA in defensive rating. Obviously, when fully healthy, you still have to run some of those bench players out there. So the team defensive rating wouldn't be quite that good but it would likely be much better than it is now. Stotts would f- find combinations that work when his starters have to sit. The Blazers' defense would probably, at this point, be in the top half of the league. It's not on Stotts. It's all about personnel. I'm going to stop there. I, I've said enough. I've got some more stuff. But seriously, it's about personnel. Let's wait to really judge Stotts until we see this team that we were all so high on at the beginning of the season healthy if if at that point if you can't coax a, a at least a league average defense out of this squad if you can't get out of the first round then we can talk about it and then it's a legitimate conversation but right now it is not so stop it oh man i love uh man or a lot of you i don't know how the last time i've seen jared that that fired up for a oh, question i enjoyed every second of it man Oh, um, yeah. that, the, the, the Jared that I live for on this podcast, man, uh, it was just so good. Like when I was kind of disappointed when you said you were going to stop, uh, <laughs> that was the worst part about the rant, to be honest with you. He ended it so parently, like so parental too. He's like, just stop, just stop <laughs> it now. He was so disappointed in Blazers fans. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say a little bit here. I don't have much to say to follow that up because mm. you're preaching, I think, to the choir here, to everyone on this podcast, Jared. Probably, yeah. Like, I was, I was shocked at the reaction following the Bucks game. As Orlando said earlier in the podcast, the Bucks straight up are a better team than the Blazers, even when the Blazers are fully healthy. The Bucks are probably a better team. And guess what? The Blazers aren't remotely close to fully healthy right now. They're a terrible defensive team. We talked last week how it wasn't even worth talking about the game because the Bucs were going to blow them out. Everyone yep. thought the Bucs were going to blow them out, and the Bucs blew them out, and there's a segment of the Blazers fan base that lost their minds that they got blown out by the Bucs. It just it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And you're right. I'm with you, Jared. I think this is about who they're having to throw out on the floor right now. You said, could you imagine what this team would be like if they were fully healthy, what their defensive team rating would be like? Well, we kind of can. Because right before Nurk got hurt, they were on a four-game winning streak. And it was in part because the defense that week was much better than it was the previous week, first week, week and a half of the season. And guess where that defense ranked? They ranked 14th in the NBA. Not top 10, but but they went on a four-game winning streak and they ranked 14th in the NBA in defensive rating, which shows if this defense can at least just be league average, this Blazers team is really good. And if they can get to the point where they become get into that 10 range defensively, 
then you're now talking about a team that could reach what probably their height is this year and get to the Western Conference Finals. And like you said, we've seen Terry Stotts do this with the Blazers. They've had two seasons where they were the three seed before before the injuries derailed their season last year. The two years before that, they were the three seed in the West. The 2018-19 season, when they went to the Western Conference Finals, they were 16th in defensive rating. So just league average, but they were still good enough to get to the Western Conference Finals on that without use of Nurkic. The year before that, they were a three seed. And yes, they got swept in the first round. Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, they brought a storm with them. The Blazers did not see coming. But that team that year was sixth in the NBA in defensive rating. So you're right. We've seen it. That when you have Nurkic healthy, who is the linchpin of this defense, and you have the right combination of players around them, and I think they have that potential with Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr., that this team could be at the very least a league average defense and maybe a tad better than that. But right now, you're not going to get it because look at, look at who they're having to play tonight. Like, look at the roster they're throwing out there tonight. And guess what? They're probably going to give up 120 points tonight and lose by 30 again. Am I going to freak out that they lost to the 76ers and got blown out? No. You Max is shaking his head yes, of course. Yeah, no, I'm not going to lose my mind. They should get blown out tonight. They will get blown out tonight. That's just how it is. Like you have to adjust your expectations to what's actually happening in front of you. If you told a Blazers fan going into the season, this is the roster they're going to be playing with. Like if the Blazers had, like if this was their opening day roster, CJ McCollum wasn't on it. Yusuf Nurkic wasn't on it. We wouldn't have even been talking about them as a playoff team. They're just trying to survive right now. And they have been surviving for two weeks. We'll see if they can continue it. But it just... It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. The, I, right now, I'm with Jared. If they get bounced in the first, if everyone's healthy and they're bounced in the first round again, let's have the stats conversation. Let's not have it when they lose by 30 in a game they should lose by 30. I think the title of this question should have been, "What did you expect?" Seriously, <laughs> what did you expect in that game? And that's what confused me so much was why are, why did you pick the Bucks game? to have this conversation. Realistically, at the beginning of the year, when Neil Olshay went out and got these guys, and we said, all right, Olshay did his job. He's bolstered the defense. Now it's on Terry Stotts to deliver. I felt that way, that Stotts now had the personnel to be able to compete. But as soon as all of these injuries have happened, it's time to adjust. And it's time to look at what they're putting out on a regular basis right now. And that is what is so confusing to me going into it. Because we knew the results of these games. We knew how they were going to play out. We picked all four of them correctly a week ago. So predictable. Yes. And that's what blows my mind is is the timeliness of this all. Like, who, who is fed up with it at, at, at that moment of the year? Like, it makes no sense. Let's see this team healthy at a meaningful time of the year. And, yes, I understand, like, Damian Lillard's prime window is open for business right now, and he is on the clock. We're tapping that risk because we know that Damian Lillard is in his prime right now. And so the best opportunity for Portland to win a championship is with Damian Lillard in his prime. I understand that. But there's no getting around the injuries in the middle of the season. Like, this is part of the game. This is also part of what the NBA signed up for when they decided to limit training camp, when they decided to have the season pushed up to make room for the Olympics and all of these other things. Like, this is what you're giving up in the NBA right now. You know that these things are going to happen. And you just hope it doesn't, it's not as bad or that they're not as serious. And that's why the Blazers are in this position right now. When Yusuf Nurkic gets back, when this team is at full strength and C.J. McCollum is off to an all-star type season, let's judge this team at the end of the year. Let's, let's see where they're at. And then I think it's, it's a valid take to say, you know, fire the coach or this is what needs to happen because in pro sports, that's how it goes. That's like the coach's role. Whenever things get bad, the, the automatic solution is fire the coach without actually doing any homework. And I love 
that Jared was able to lay the facts out like that. Um, I'm tempted. I, I feel like the Twitter won't allow me to post his entire segment right there because it was definitely you well, know, it was too, it's long. just like five minutes of straight fire. But um, I, I think that you nailed it, Jared, on that question. And I do, though, think it is appropriate to clap back a little bit, you know, and say, well, here are the facts. Here's why Terry Stotts should not be fired at this point in the season versus just letting it slide and it continue to gain speed. I think it's important to address, and which I think you did in, in a lot of ways um, in this podcast. I mean, what's wrong with having realistic expectations? Yeah. I mean, why do we have to think that this team can go out and be a good defensive team with the players they're putting out on the court? You should look at this team objectively and see what they are. And if you throw any other coach in there, they're not going to all of a sudden become a top 10 defensive team, not with these players. I mean, look at the Utah Jazz. If Rudy Gobert got injured and let's say Mike Conley, who's a really good defensive player, got injured and their defense kind of fell apart, are the jazz maybe they would i don't know are jazz fans going to start calling for their coach no you have to look at these things realistically you have to just have to think i just don't understand it i can't i can't believe you didn't use that as an opportunity to say jazz fans would go after their coach because we know how you <laughs> I feel mean, about might. jazz fans I, can't they might. I don't know but to do that uh, there's one other thing it's uh it's such a small sample size. I don't even know if I want to bring it up, but I did have a thought that like, even with the players injured, there was a five man lineup that I thought could still be decent defensively. And that was Lillard. Who's an okay defender. Trent, who has the potential to be a good defender, Jones jr. And Covington, who are two of the team's best defenders and Cantor, who is not a good defender. But I thought with that, that, that five man lineup, maybe you'd be able to at least, you know, tread water defensively. They've only played seven minutes together so far this entire season, which just shows you like the injury problems they've had, even since like McCollum and Nurkic got injured that you can't even put that lineup together out on the court because Jones Jr. has been hurt and Covington has been hurt. and They can't stay healthy at the same time, but that team in seven minutes together, their offensive rating is 173 and their defensive rating is 68. Now, obviously small sample size, you're not going to have anywhere near a net rating of 105 if you know they play more minutes but i'd love to see what that lineup could do with more minutes together but you can't do that because of the injuries you can't even throw that lineup out there and one more thing about the difference as much as i love Cantor, the difference between nurk and Cantor defensively the five-man lineup with lillard cj jones jr rocco and nurk 107.5 defensive rating like we talked about keep the other four players replace nurk with Cantor. that's it that five-man lineup this season, that defensive rating goes all the way up to 124.6. It's a huge difference. Cantor is just not – he plays hard out there on defense. He doesn't lack effort, but he lacks lateral speed. He lacks the ability to – you know, just that lateral speed deficit, it's hard for him to get out and contest. You know, it's hard for him to operate in the pick and roll on defense, and that's – it's just a weakness that he has but let's just look at these things realistically and see what we actually have on this roster right now. Yeah. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a slight, you know, at, at Ennis or, no. you know, a lot of these backups, but it just shows how good those starters are. And I love that you shined a light on CJ because I, I think that's impressive. And I feel like for so long, CJ has had that, I don't know, stigma as not being a, a good defender. Yeah, well, he's and been so, 17th in defensive real plus minus this season. He was yeah. 17th in all the NBA in defensive mm -hmm. real plus minus this year. Uh, well, I was just going to say what I took away from Jared's argument or his last couple points was they should fire Terry Stotts because they should have 105 net rating. Just play that. <laughs> get rid of the guy. Come on now. <laughs> all right, guys, it's, it's time to get on to predictions here. Question number three, the Blazers will play three games between now and the next time that we meet. So tonight at Philly, who are six and, 16 and six on the season, Saturday at the Knicks, they're 10 and 13, and then Tuesday at home against the Magic, they're eight and 14. Which games do the Blazers win? Which games do the Blazers lose? All right, let's, uh, I have a feeling we may all be the same for the third week in a row, so let's kind of make this quick. Uh, we all went 4-0 last week. Orlando, you're 13-3 and in picks on the year. Impressive, my man. Appreciate Jared, 12-4. I am 11-5 and this year. 
and I'm going to go chalk again. And uh, they lose against Philly, as I said. To me, the winning against Orlando is chalk, the only game that was really worth uh, any sort of, you know, giving it a little bit of extra thought was the Knicks. And there was nothing I saw in that first matchup that makes me think the Blazers can't beat them again. Uh, if Damian Lillard doesn't play, now we're talking something else. But assuming he plays, they beat the Knicks, Blazers go 2-1 and one and survive a third week. Yeah, I agree with you, Nate. I mean, the question is, this abdominal issue that Dame is dealing with, is this just one thing where he can rest this 76ers game and come back, or is it going to keep him out longer? At this point, we don't know. But I expect he'll be back to play the Knicks game and going forward. And so I'm going the same. I mean, they're not going to beat the 76ers with as banged up as they are, and that's fine. Um, and I expect them. I mean, the Knicks and Magic both – their records aren't good, um, but also they haven't been playing well lately. You look at the Knicks, they've lost uh, five of seven, and the Magic have lost, or even worse than that, they've lost. 14, they've lost. Yeah, really bad. So, I mean, I just think that the Blazers, those are two teams the Blazers should beat, even shorthanded, as long as Dame is back. If Dame is out, then all bets are off. Who knows what, what this team is going to do, but probably lose a lot. But um, But I'm going to go two and one as well. You're going to get the C.J. Ellaby game is what you're going to get a game that's for a period of time. That game is suddenly going to become reality, my friend. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're interested uh, in seeing some of those other guys that never get to play play, uh, this game at, at Philly is is your time to shine and watch that game. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I, I don't think there's, there's anything super interesting to discuss on this one other than just how wild that injury report is for tonight's game. You hope that uh, Dame is able to rest up um, and, and be good to go because that, that next game should be a lot of fun, just like it was the first time. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty close game as well, but I, I'm, I'm going the same way on the picks. Hopefully another perfect week for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> get, get well soon, Portland Trail Blazers, to make things a little more interesting uh, in prediction time. If they keep going off like this, like it was, was a joke that they won't have enough players to suit a team, but it won't be COVID related. Like they're now it's actually close, getting bro. close. They're pretty close. <laughs> I think there's nine guys available tonight against Philly. They're, they're, they're getting close. Yep. Take it easy, guys. Take it easy. We've got, still got a long road ahead. But yet they're right, the box, apparently. One more thing before we get to the best part of the podcast. But if we get these games right again and they go two and one, They'll be 13 and 10. You've got to give them credit for as everything has gone wrong for staying above water. I mean, three games over 500, if that's where they are at the end of, you know, the next time we meet 13 and 10 is, is fine. I mean, you should be thrilled with that considering everything this team's going through. Yeah. Like a, a five or a six seed is still in play. Totally. They, they, and, they may, and may be better. Yeah, yeah. Not only would it be in play, they would probably still be the five or six seed. Uh, exactly and, uh, yep i mean well, that will probably be our next podcast jared way to go people might as well not even listen next week <laughs> <laughs> everything goes as we think uh, it's a good tease man we'll, we'll we'll have much more on that but as jared mentioned it's time for the best part of the podcast we have wa- waited long enough to get to this point max bar take it away guys it's great to be back with another week of Rip It. By the way, the best part of the podcast was the defense conversation and what Jared brought to the table. That was incredible. Apparently, we should have made Jared asked before the podcast what should be the first question, and Orlando and I said the players. Apparently, we should have gone defense. That's a, that's he gave our us bad. a warning shot. It, that's on us. That was a heat check. We just didn't give him the rock. It's, yeah, it's I, on. I knew what I had, but I also thought it would be worth waiting for. So, well, on our last episode, Orlando he got another win, back to back. Will there be a three-peat? No, oh, man. You forgot the rare. To- Three Pete. Forgot to mention there's an asterisk on at least one of those. <laughs> no, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. All right, let's find out how you guys did last week. And we are going back to the Rockets game. 
the question was who will make the most three-pointers. It was between Victor Oladipo, Gary Trent Jr., and Eric Gordon. Oh, no. <laughs> that did not go well. Oh, no. And that's who I picked. <laughs> Jared and Nate picked Eric Gordon of the Rockets. Orlando, you went with your man, Gary Trent, and he delivered seven for 13 from three for oh, Gary man. Trent. Gordon was two for seven. Oladipo, two for 10. And the Rockets still won that game. And Gary, we trust, man. That's right. Uh, Blazers at Bulls. The question for this game was who would score more points, Damian Lillard or Zach Levine? <laughs> <laughs> Jared Norlando <laughs> learned their lesson, they said, and they, they went with Dame Lillard. Nate, you went out on a limb with Zach Levine. I give you credit for that, but it was Dame Lillard, 44, 44 for Dame, 26 for Levine. You know, I'm starting to think that, you know, sometimes – when you have Damian Lillard, <laughs> player B stick, I'm starting to think that's not working. Uh, not You're gonna catching work on, huh? Couple trial runs. Small sample size, but you know, we'll see. All right, Blazers at Bucks. Question for this game was which total will be greater: rebounds by Derek Jones Jr. or missed free throws by Giannis Antetokounmpo? Jared, <laughs> what with Derek Jones Jr. The uh, rebounds. Nate, you also went with Derek Jones, and you said you had some interesting analysis. You, you wondered if the Blazers would foul Giannis enough for him to have enough misses at the free throw line. You said, I don't think he'll need to be that aggressive against Portland. And Orlando, you went with Giannis just because you didn't want to sweep. Mm-mm. So you just wanted to be different. Yep. Any, uh, any guesses how many free throws Giannis shot in this game? I actually do know. Because I remembered that one, and I was upset that I picked Derek Jones Jr. and and he didn't play. And I remembered Nate's analysis, and that his analysis was spot on. Oh, it was. If Derek was Jones crazy. Jr. had played, because Giannis shot four free throws and missed one. Well, he he actually he well he, yes he missed one. Uh, it was three, wasn't it? It was three. He only shot yeah. three free throws. <laughs> Jones Jr. didn't play. So Orlando, you got it, man. Oh, this, is, this is garbage, Terrible. man. Oh, man. Hey, I, I mean, I give, I give you props too, man. That was a great call. I mean, wasn't like Giannis taking photos during the the Pacers game? Like, literally had a camera <laughs> out take in the fourth quarter. Like they were just smashing the Pacers so bad. Like he's not going to go to the line because they're just killing everyone, the Blazers included. Orlando didn't even feel that pick. He wanted to pick no. Derrick Jones Jr. And the only Ooh. reason he picked Giannis was to avoid the sweep. Yep. Good on you. Good on you, Orlando. Rippet is so cruel that I was right about every aspect of that question, <laughs> except for Derek Jones Jr. not playing. Yep. And Rippet punished me for it. It's a cold world, bundle up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we just skip to the part where Orlando won? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Blazers at Wizards. Question for this game was over under 33 and a half points for Bradley Beal. Uh, Nate, you slammed the over on this one, and you said you could have gone up to 50 and it would have gone over. <laughs> well, I would have been wrong if 50 was the number. Right. Oh, Jared, you went under, and Orlando, you had the over as well, and he scored 37 points for the over. Jared went under and at one point looked at Bradley Beal's past games <laughs> and said, why am I going under, and then stuck with the under. I should have changed my answer. I should have changed my answer. He stuck with his gut call yeah. Credit to him for that. All right, the wild card question of the week was, which game would Anthony Simon score the most points? The Houston Bulls, Bucks, or Wizards? Nate, you guessed the Bulls. You predicted a duel with Zach Levine. Jared, you went with the Bucks game, um, predicting crunch time, aka garbage time. <laughs> and Orlando, you went with the Wizards game. And it. This was the Bucks. He scored 15 points against Milwaukee, so Jared gets that one. Silence had 14 against the Rockets, only eight against the Bulls, and then the Wizards game, just three points with the hamstring injury. The, so, the, jersey, the jersey did not help me last week on that one, guys. It did not. not. Orlando, four for five this week. Wow. Wow. I'm so Best glad. So far this season. I, I'm so happy now. He got that last question wrong. I, I if wanted he to go five out of five, that may have been like a rip at first. He's done it once before at least. 
I'd have to go back into the record books, but congrats, Orlando. Thanks, man. I, I wanted to go with that Bucks pick, but I remembered Jared had made it, so I, I wanted to switch it up. But uh, that was the, that one I actually felt strongly about and didn't get it. So it goes to, it goes to show you. Impressive performance, Orlando. Appreciate it. All right, let's find out if the hot streak can continue by getting to this week's game. Blazers at 76ers. Who will get more rebounds in this game, Robert Covington or Tobias Harris? Oh, man. Oh, Rocco, because he's going to have to play. He's been rebounding the ball well lately, I think. I'll take Covington as well. I'll go Tobias Harris because he's on my fantasy team. So try for a double win there. All right. Was that that your original rip it question for this game i'm just curious with how many injuries are on the list like how yes. was this a difficult question no no that's that was my original question i didn't know that dame was going to be ruled out but i uh, thought there'd be a chance i was expecting who gets more points cj Ellaby or shake milton type <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad question i actually like that one yeah. give me Ellaby. <laughs> I would go shake there. Uh, Blazers, Blazers at Knicks. Who will score the most points in this game? Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Simons, or Knicks rookie Emmanuel Quickly? Oh, man. Quickly went. Yeah, off. give me quickly. Jared man. quickly going with his answer. I love Ant, too, but quickly feasted when he was guarded by Ant uh, last game. So, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not betraying him. Ant. <laughs> All right. I like it. Well, Wanda, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quickly is on a tear, but pride is going to get away in this, get in the way of this answer as well, just like it did for Nate. <laughs> and Mellow in the garden, baby. Bam. Three to the dome. <laughs> Let's go. I like that. I like that rationale. I do too. That's really good. I was hoping he'd say that. <laughs> Next question. Same game. Over under 33 and a half points and rebounds combined for Julius Randle. 33 and a half, is that what you said? 33 and a half points and rebounds combined. Over. Uh, yeah, I'll go over too. No way, man. I picked Julius Randle against Dame last time. I'm never picking that guy again. He lost the Dame. Can't pick him. Under. All right. Blazers versus Magic. Who will make the most three-pointers in this game? Terrence Ross, Anthony Simons, or Nikola Vucevic? Oh, man. Vucevic has been killing it from three this year, too. I'm going to go with him. As we have silence. I can't, I can't tell if they're frozen or not. You guys are really thinking hard about this. Now. The question wasn't that good, guys. I think I'll go with Terrence Ross. I was thinking of Vucevic, but I, I got to mix it up here a little bit. So give me Terrence Ross. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with Jared as, as well. Jared's answer, uh, you know, Jefferson High School, local dude. Let's go. Isn't his nickname the Human Torch? Ooh. That's a good name. Yeah, isn't that, a, isn't that a Marvel character? Yeah. yeah. It is. I just looked it up on Basketball Reference. You are correct. Oh. Wow. Oh. All right. The wild card question of the week. The question is, will Gary Trent Jr. shoot over or under 42% from the three-point line over the next three games? Now, he's averaging 45% from three this season. Yeah, give me the over. Take it away, Orlando. We know where you're going. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm steadily. I, I'm just going to continue on this ride. Let, let's go over. I'm going to go under, and I actually have a reason for it. Who is the Blazers' best offensive threat tonight against Philadelphia? Like, who is Philadelphia as they're now looking at the Blazers' roster, going, "This is the guy who can't beat us." It, it's Gary Trent, right? And so probably. So with that analysis, and I don't even know who would be guarding him, Ben Simmons maybe, who knows? Uh, I'm going to go and say that the Philadelphia keys in on Gary Trent tonight, 
he struggles and that therefore affects his three-point shooting through the three-game stretch. So under for Gary. I think that's very good analysis from Nate and we'll see if the Rippet gods will allow that to be correct. He's going to, what's going to happen is he's going to make like nine threes. People are going to listen to this podcast and be like, wow, that Nate guy's an idiot. Not wrong, <laughs> not wrong, but, uh, but there are plenty of other reasons to think that versus my analysis on that one. I'll just point out as well that Gary Trent Jr. shot two of eight from three against the Bucks, And yet in the past three games, he's still shooting 48% from three. I mean, oh, that man. guy, he's on fire. That's Even when he's not, he's still on fire. Maybe he should be the human torch. Get out of here, Jefferson High, <laughs> Terrence Ross. There you go. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up for this week. Guys, that was a, that was a really good podcast. Enjoyed it. Uh, this one a little bit more than, than usual. Um, and just uh, overall really good. And for the folks out there that uh, have made it this far through the podcast, please subscribe. Leave us your reviews let everyone know about the podcast uh those type of little things really help us um and continuing to have this pod grow and to reach a, a, a greater audience we love doing it i hope you guys enjoy this as well but guys let's, let's try and run this back next week better than ever <laughs> <laughs>